Welcome to What You're Wearing. And on this episode, we are going to review the BAFTAs with our favorite hot looks. Yes. And our vocabulary word is leg of mutton. What? Leg of mutton. What? We're going to cover whatever that is, and we're going to talk about Paul Smith, the uh, English dandy. Yeah, all the across the pond, all coming up on What You're Wearing. William! Mark Allen. I feel like we start every episode doing that. William, Mark Well, Allen. it's a meeting of the minds. It's, it's a meeting. It's our air kissing. You can't see the air kissing that's happening it over is. here. It is. It's me. <laughs> We're very fashion. We are so fashion. We, we like we, to. We. Yeah. Air kisses. Eric, I don't know if that was like. A German, we are so fashion, or a French, we are so fashion. We are so just, fashion. That we sounds, are so fashion. That sounds German. It sounds like Edna from The Incredibles. That sounds German. My spirit animal. Yeah, I love her. Oh man, love, love, love her. Love her. So now listen. Yes, we. Ha- uh, it's been a big week. Yes. Um, for what you're wearing, and mostly because we have gotten to the level now. Yes. Uh, yeah, with okay. the people listening and with the interactions we're having and with mm-hmm. the number of people stopping me on the street mm. to just talk to me about it, mm. we're now getting corrected. It happens. <laughs> well, you know it happens. So we had a couple people. So I had one person say, listen, there's another, there's a woman that received couture status from Paris in the 70s. And she told me her name four times and I have... Forgotten it. So, oh, yeah, so I have to reach out to her. I would love to have known that. Yeah, so it's an American woman who has uh, the respect of the French couture houses, which is fun. And then a couple episodes ago, I was talking about uh, the row. Right. You remember row, 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 row. Okay. And what happened? Well, I, I talked about the row uh-huh. having the perfect t shirt be their foyer into fashion. Right. Yeah. Well, it's not a foyer, it's a foray. <laughs> A foyer yeah. is like the entry to a house. Right. Now, I would, in my defense, yeah. the row is a house of fashion. So right. really, the t-shirt could be a foyer. There you go. It is absolutely incorrect English that I use. And I was, it was like very, po- it was a dear friend of mine. And she was like, well, I don't quite know how to tell you this. What? Just, Just tell say me. it. What? And so she's like, it's a foray, not a foyer. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, is it? Is it? Nothing's well, easy. Well, I mean, if we're, if we're. If we're shortening our words, we can mess up on full words. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, like, you know, like, I'll never forget the time with the L.A. Philharmonic, right? Yeah. So for the longest time, I would drive down the highway and I'd say, see, L.A. Phil. I'm like, L.A. Phil? Is this a new artist? Oh, No. But what I'm saying is we sh- we've we've become accustomed of shortening words that now we don't know. You know. Yeah, but foyer and foray are not shortening of words, William. You're not talking the I same know, thing. I'm talking I about know. misusing the English language. Is what I'm talking. Uh, about. Welcome to America. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, public school! Yay! Gotta love my public school. Gotta love my public school. 
So I, you know, you and I are both in crazy work mode again as the world is opening up. Thank God. And every time I texted you trying to schedule this wonderful evening recording, you were biz, biz. What have you been doing? Well, I was a busy bee and thankful for it. I shot a commercial for Kohl's. Oh, like the Kohl's, the, um... Not the rake over. Because <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know you so know. So Kohl's, like the mall store. The mall store? Yeah, see, I used to think, I used to get Lowe's and Kohl's confused. Okay. So I used to think that Kohl's was Lowe's and Lowe's was Kohl's. So I got super confused one day when I heard that Vera Wang was doing a line for Kohl's. I'm like, what? They're going to sell like freezers, refrigerators, and hammers. And Vera Wang handbags? I'm super confused. No. No. By the way, side note, did I ever tell you about the time that I went into Vera Wang on Rodeo Drive? No. And they were, I was just looking at the product, and it's all luxury high-end, and they were just selling it like it's high-end. And all of it was made in China. What? Yeah. All the brand was made in China. All, like, on Rodeo Drive. And so I said to the salesperson, I don't understand, like... Wait, in the, in the label of the clothing? Yeah, made in China. Wow, okay. So I said to the, I said to the salesperson, I don't understand this. It says made in China... And it's supposed to be, like, Italian yarns, and this is supposed to be luxury... Not her wedding dresses. I think all of her wedding dresses are still made in New York. Right. But, like, all of the ready-to-wear she was trying to sell. And the woman, without blinking, looks at me and says, Well, you know, she is Chinese, so she's just staying true to her heritage. She made that up while you were standing there. Yes, she did! She totally made that up. (laughs) Anywho. Kudos for thinking on Um, her feet, though. I mean, anyway, yes. So, that, that I don't know how we even got to Vera Wang. Oh, Vera Wang, Lowe's, Coles. Coles that's yes, right. So, that's Coles. True. Oh, my God. How was that? It was fun. Um, interesting. How long did it take to shoot? Were you shooting a print ad or a... It was commercial. Oh, television commercial. It was a television commercial. Um, there were three different families. But the process, I have to say, was a lot lengthier than I expected. In um, what way? Well, like, for example... Corporately, they select who the cast is, you know, as far as casting. Okay. So they're like the, ta- the cast, like the who's in the commercial. The ta- yeah, the talent. So they're aware of who is playing what characters and what they look like. Okay. So I found it interesting, and I want to say they probably had these, they had their decision made like a month ago. So we had one day there was a fitting, and in the fitting, and I kid you not, there were people corporately here physically, and then there were people corporately, I want to say they're based in Minnesota, I believe. Yeah. So there were people there via Zoom, and then people here physically. And they had to approve every outfit several times. So I thought, it w- I just thought that, like, let's say if you're, you're doing a commercial, you know what categories. And when I say categories, that means, like, outerwear, socks, um, plates. Right. You know exactly what you want to push for said right, commercial. Yourself. So I would think they would know exactly what they wanted to push, and that is what it is, and that's it. No. Fitting day showed up. 30 boxes of clothes. And when I tell you it was jam-packed huge boxes of clothes boxes and boxes and of were clothes. they Kohl's brand they were Kohl's brand but I just thought it was interesting they sent so much when you know exactly what you want to sell 
Well, but I mean, I are they trying to sell a particular item in those commercials, or really are they trying to sell a particular feeling or a particular? They don't want you to buy a sweater off of a Kohl's ad. They want you to go to Kohl's and buy all your clothes, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they might just be trying to create a vibe or a sense and see how things work together. And but there was like there was an approval moment at the fitting, and then the from day... all those corporate people had to approve each little thing. Yes. You know, I was at Nordstrom yes. one day. I'm going to tell you a secret. This is not a secret anymore. I was at Nordstrom one day. Yes. And there was a stylist in there pulling for a Target ad. See, I don't get that. And I said, what? They're I don't like, get that. Yeah, yeah. So they actually used all these designer clothes from Nordstrom in the Target ad. So they weren't even wearing Target clothes. But <laughs> they would, would they would have to make sure that those pieces were actually in the store. No, they, they don't because they're not saying... Now, if they showed you a Saint Laurent blouse and uh -huh. said, Hey, star silk blouse, come get it at Target for 20 bucks. That's one thing. But they weren't doing that. They were just showing... You know, Target was also very much about presenting a family sitting around a table at Christmas. Uh -huh. And you just assume... That everything there came from Target, but ah, uh, no, sir. That yeah. did not all come from Target. Yeah, there's a lot of trickery in advertising. I a like. lot of it, because you only have to, if it's a sweater or something you're trying to sell, like Old Navy does those ads where every sweatshirt's $9.12 or whatever, and mm. they have over and over again all those, then whatever they're showing you there has to be that product. Right. But if you're just creating a mood... Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, good on Kohl's to actually use their own product. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, was it exhausting the long days and all that stuff? Yeah, well, our day started about 6.30. A.M.? Uh, no, A.M. Oh, you had to be somewhere at 6.30? Yep, no. and then it would go normally till about 8. A.M. P.M., no, 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 P.M. <sighs> yeah, so they were long days, but we got it done. It was fun. With good craft services? Amazing, I have to say. Now, craft services, if you're not in the industry, is like the table of snacks and food. Right. So and I have to say... big productions, they have good food. And I have to give them kudos. They were compliant to everything as far as, you know, being in this pandemic. They were on it. Like, they were constantly disinfecting and had monitors and they they were on top of it. I guess that's give it hard. To you. And then you had to wear a mask for 13 and a half hours. And we got tested every day. Wow. But it was good. I have to say, they were on top of it. Happy to be working again. Oh, thank God. Yes. So happy right? to be working again. I mean, we can't do a podcast every day. No. Although there is a demand out in the world that there we start is. doing that. So I think we're going to have to... We're going to have to... Now, speaking of demands... Yes. I demand that you tell me... What are you going to... What do you want to... About this vocabulary word. Vocabulary. And the word is... Leg of mutton. Okay, but it's just not a word. That's first of all, it's well, three words. Right, but let, let me tell you what it is. It's a sleeve. So I think because it began. Well, it's an arm sleeve that has the word leg in it. Yeah. So how does that make any sense? Well, I well you'll see why it's called leg. Okay. You'll see. Uh, bring there's, it. There's a bring reason it, for William. It. Bring it. Well, at first, it appeared in the late 1820s. The French named it the gigot sleeve. Oh, say it again. Gigot. 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 G-I-G-O-T. Gigot. Gigot. Not gigot. Gigo, because it's French, darling. Oh, it's French. Gigo, la gigo. Now this is where it'll start to kind of make sense to you. Mm. It was named this because of its shape resembling the hindquarters of an animal. 
You see? Leg, get it. Now, now you see where we're going? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not with you yet, William. <laughs> now, it was the English that trans translated the term to leg or mutton. So, or mutton. Now, mutton is baby sheep, right? You know what? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's a so, mutton. Cause okay. Because I, I have a client who always says, I don't want to buy that dress because I look like a mutton dress. Okay. Lamb. It's not a baby sheep. Uh, mutton is an old sheep. Okay, so there's then... a lamb as a lamb ages as an old lamb is called a mutton. Oh no, we're so smart. Well, maybe that's so. Why... Wait, wait, that makes yeah. this even worse. So this is named after an old sheep. <laughs> well, you're saying it was old. It but... is old because there's a lamb as a baby sheep and a mutton as an old sheep is an old sheep. Well, maybe that's what they were talking about when they said the hind quarters. Now we know of a sheep. Okay, right. Okay, so the sleeve was characterized by the voluminous amounts of fabric at the cap, which is, you know, at the shoulder. Okay. And oh, then there's a lot of this happening right now. And then it would tapered really, really small to the wrist. Now, in the late uh, 1820s is when everyone, all the women were extremely corseted. And, yes. like, their, white, their waists were, like, in the teens. And they had, like, 12 buttons going up each right. sleeve. Right. Really fitted on the, like, that, remember that movie, The Age of Innocence? Yeah. Where she removed her glove. And yeah. Was, she was, like, such a, a scandalous woman for having let some other man touch her bare skin in her right. hand. No, no touching, no and, touching. Wow, okay. But in the 1820s, the sleeve was extremely voluminous because... Because they wanted to minimize the waste. And as the years went on, it was modified and modified and brought down. Brought you know down. who wears this all the time is the alienist. Have you watched the alienist on no. TNT? No. It's not Dakota Fanning. No, it is Dakota Fanning. Uh -huh. Or Elle Fanning. It's a Fanning. Probably Elle. One of the Fannings. Probably Starring Elle. in this. Anyway, it's really, really good. And all the wardrobe you would die for. But she's wearing all those... Victorian, I would think of them as being Victorian dresses uh -huh. that have the big poof sleeves that come up high. That's it. And that's called a leg of mutton. Leg of mutton. Can't we just call it a poof sleeve? No, I because mean, you're there's gonna, so... Like, you're going to go to bird drops and go, hey, do you have any leg of mutton sleeves? I mean, it's a very technical term, but they were definitely super voluminous to give the women's waist a much, much smaller. So how does that give them a smaller waist? Because there was so much fabric. So it was, draws the attention up to the shoulder. Right. Okay, so the shoulder will be wider than, right. than the waist. Right. That's where shoulder pads came from, too, for men. Right. Because as you got a big shoulder pad in there, then it makes your waist look smaller. And then, real, believe it or not, in the 80s, you saw a lot of modified leg of mutton sleeves. Yeah, but I mean, I see so much of that now, now yeah. that you mentioned what that is. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, our listeners will be able to see when we put our references up on Instagram. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, thank you. You'll be able to see how they have, how leg of mutton sleeve has uh, transformed to a smaller silhouette. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. all right. Mm -hmm. I understand. Thank see? you so much for the information see? on the leg of mutton. You never know. It is now time for some hot looks. Hot looks. Okay, so I, you know, we looked at the BAFTAs. Yes. It, 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 and everywhere you read about the award shows this year, it's just like the weird award shows, the odd awards. Everyone's just trying to get, just, I think everybody just wants to get through this award season mm -hmm. and just get to the Emmys 2021, where mm -hmm. people will be on a carpet without a mask on. God willing. God willing. <laughs> and just, I mean, they can just move the Emmys to like Florida or Texas and they could do it right now that way. But like, <laughs> we'll see who comes home. We'll see. 
who comes home. But but it really, I mean, I, I, it's 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 just kind of fun to see the glamour mm-hmm. coming back. Yes. People, but people are also so cautious, so weird. Anyway. Yeah. And I think what they did was, I, I don't quote me, but normally it's Listen, a, you say don't quote me on the show all the time. Just you're, to save my behind. I know, but you're literally being, this is literally you <laughs> quoting. Your, I mean, like, what do you mean don't quote me? <laughs> so, 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 nobody, to, so nobody can come back and correct me. How about you say something like, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but don't say don't quote me. This is all us talking. These are quotables. Well, they normally have them at the Royal Albert Hall, and I think... Visually, from what I'm seeing, I think what they did was they just had the talent there to photograph their looks. Oh. And it wasn't, like, full-on, you know. Well, it said they were in person. Right, but I don't think they had all of the screaming crowd on the red carpet oh, oh, and what have you. I think they just had the talent, had their picture moments, and then that was it. They didn't want all those people ye- yell- yelling, yelling and, and screaming and, yeah. you know, COVID on them. Right, 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 right. They're such wimps, those actors. <laughs> well, my hot look... What is it? ...is Maria Baklava. I'm just kidding, but every time I see her last name, I want to call her Baklava, which is an amazing Jewish pastry. I was just going to say. Oh, it's so good. Barney's Beanery... Not Barney's Greenery. Barney's Greengrass. Uh-huh. Don't go to Barney's Beanery. Uh-huh. Barney's Greengrass used to have the most amazing baccalaureate. Anyway, mm. Maria Bacalora, Um, She was nominated um, for Borat. So I haven't... Have you seen that new Borat movie? Not a Borat fan. Is it Borat or Borat? I think it's Borat. You're just thinking of... But this of, one... You're just thinking of Barack. It's not Barack. It's oh, Borat. It's Barack. <laughs> I think It's Borat. Well, yeah. Borat. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the Borat movie, she's Mm -hmm. in there doing something, but who cares what she's doing in that movie? What's she wearing? Because what she wore was the most sensational Giorgio Armani gown. Mm -hmm. Spaghetti straps, Mm -hmm. an off-white color, and then beautiful floral beading. Mm. And it came like a little tank top with a cinched waist and then a big pleated full body. I mean, it was just like laid. It's so me. Not like what I personally wear. Right. But like so my taste. Lady. Feminine. Feminine. Simple. I like someone that can get a dress like that and they can wear it in 30 years and it still is in style and is so great to have. It's just... With a hint of Stepford Wives. Yeah. Full skirt. Yeah, it's just... Mm-hmm. It just seemed it just seemed pretty. I'm so happy to see pretty in fashion again. Um, and I, you know, I talked about that last week with the Taylor Swift thing. I just love that pretty fabrics mm-hmm. put together into a pretty cut because there's a lot of designers that would take that beautiful fabric and then cut some really redonkulous, asymmetrical, upset kind of thing. Uh-huh. Some of the, you know people you love probably. Redonkulous. We'll have to do that one week. <laughs> That's definitely a vocabulary <laughs> word. That might be a Von Mark Allen vocabulary <laughs> word. But, I like that. But anyway, I, that Maria just really brought it for me, and I just thought that uh, the Giorgio Armani. Um, selection she made was just brilliant. How about you? Gorgeous. Well, mine, my number one from the BAFTAs was Priyanka Chopra. Okay. And now listen, you said this to me earlier, I looked it up. Yes. It was ugly, that thing. No, you know what? It was a like ill like it looked like a white skirt she was wearing. No, I like think she there, had just gotten off a long flight. No, I think there must have been a costume change, because the one you're talking about was when she was with her husband, Nick. Nick who? Nick. Nick. Jonas. Oh, that's right. So I think she had a costume change, because the look I saw was from Roland Vanderkamp, 
his 2020 collection. Okay. That was actually all sustainably designed. He repurposed a lot of. Oh, wait, sustainably designed. I mean, what did he just do? Just draws on recycled paper. Well, no, it was no. <laughs> what do you no, mean sustainable? No. You mean sustainably made? It was a sustainable situation, and I'll what? tell you how. <laughs> and I'll tell you how it was. It was a sustainable situation. <laughs> it was a situation. I love, that the, I love that her dress is even a situation. Please <laughs> tell me more. So what? What the designer did was they repurposed old fabric swatches. And then did elaborate clusters of butterflies out of those swatches in a cluster in the front of a beautiful satin jacket. Mm. Wait for it. With yes. leg of mutton sleeves. Uh, See how it did that? It's a callback to the leg of mutton. And I'm going to call back to episode seven. The skirt was a floor length plissé skirt. I mean, leg of mutton and plissé in one look. Together. Dead. dead. Together. Followed over dead. But it was gorgeous because it was a it was a a, a shout out to, to me visually of the 80s. And uh-huh. it was like a dynasty moment. You'll see. All right. You'll see. I mean, I'm, I, I, it sounds like I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, it was I think beautiful. It sounds pretty. And, and you, you know. wouldn't realize, you know, at first glance that the, the embroidered Butterflies on the front, if you look really close, are just refurbished refurbished fabric. Okay. So I thought that was, you know. So it wasn't designed. I mean, it's actually a green garment. Like it's green. recycled, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Got yeah. it. Up, I think they're calling it upcycling. I did see that like, today somewhere. Yeah. Upcycling. I love it. Yeah. All right. Those are our hot looks. And now it's time for a brand new view on a brand view. view. All right, so I am a huge fan of Paul Smith. Same. Just going to tell you that out loud right now. And after the research I've done of this, I am even more of a fan. I just nice. pulled for him. I had a client today, and she was just buying some of his new cardigans. And mm. it's just, the color is so good, yeah. and it's so happy. And it is just my pleasure to tell you about Sir Paul Smith. So he's a knight? Yeah. Yes, knight! Yeah. (laughs) I was a yes queen for making him a knight. Um, So Paul Smith was founded in 1907. I'm just going to give you this quick overview, okay? Okay. And it's described by himself as classic with a twist. Mm -hmm. And his other line that he says a lot is, you can find inspiration in everything. Yeah. And I think that that's such an optimistic point of view versus saying you can find inspiration in anything. Mm -hmm. Because it's like everything has something to inspire you. Mm -hmm. And that the line is quirky, but not frivolous, and eccentric, but not silly. Is that that his quote? Yeah. I love that. Which I'm like, it really describes it because it's pretty sophisticated. Yeah. Right. So but not too, like you said, not too serious though. Yeah, he's yeah. born in 1946 in Detroit, Michigan. I'm kidding. I can't. I can't. I you should have like, seen William's face. I was like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> Imposter. You should have seen William's face just now. Oh. <laughs> he was born July 5th, 1946, in Nottingham, which is where Robin Hood lives. Ah, oh, yes, right? yes. And um, 1946, the middle of the war. Wow. So if you think about that, like living in England during the war and the bomb, I mean, it's just an amazing time to be born. Yeah. And, um, you know, he had a very simple beginning in his life. And he jumped to being royal designer for industry. So what, basically it's mm. a, 
uh, not an assignment, but it's a, you get ordained basically into a hall of fame, you could say, for okay. designers by the Royal Court. Okay. Uh, in 1991. He's currently in 70 countries. Wow. And 3,000 stores. Wow. 3,000 stores carry Paul Smith. And it's funny when they talk about it, they all really talk about how many airports he's in. Because he's in a lot of airports. Like, if you travel internationally, there's, like, Paul Smith shops everywhere. Yeah. Because I think they're really fun, quirky things for people to buy as they're yeah. going. Um, he uh, has all of the stores that are his freestanding stores mm-hmm. are famous. And he has great little details everywhere. And he's... Most famous for, believe it or not, the store in L.A. with the fluorescent pink wall. wall. It was the most Instagrammed building of California in 2019, according to GQ magazine. Who would have thought just a pink color, just a simple one color wall would do that? Yeah, who knew? And it's just this big, bright pink that people love, love, love. So when he was born, he became, you know, a young man who Mm -hmm. loved a bicycle. And this was his jam. He loved to cycle. And his first thing, he, ever, he wanted to be a professional cyclist. Oh, like that. I like thought you cyclist. were saying for recreation. Yeah, but, no. For oh. Just he wanted to be a professional oh, wow. cyclist. And when he was 15, he quit school. Ooh, and so he, that didn't go over well. Well, I don't know. And he went to work at the Nottingham Clothing Warehouse. Okay. So what was that, 1961? I mean, it was a, yeah, it was a okay. different time. Okay. And he would ride his bike outside of work hours just to keep practicing and practicing and he'd write it to and from work Mm -hmm. and he did that until he was 17 oh wow and then when he was 17 he got in a horrible bicycle accident and he was hospitalized for six months oh wow six months yikes then while he was in the hospital he met all these cool people Mm -hmm. so this is just like the silver lining of life right you just never know there always is one like he thinks he's got this certain world that's gonna happen for him right he Uh goes out he has this bike accident ends up in this horrible situation and during his recovery he made all these new art friends and then found this creatives pub so it's a pub full of like creative artistic people Mm -hmm. and that's where his concept for his store was born Wow. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that, too. But his wife has been by his side from the beginning. Nice. That has only been his wife since 2000. Oh. And he started... Okay. So, not, so not the beginning. No, no, but from the beginning. But they didn't get married until 2000. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. It's so like when he gotcha. started his first little shop. Okay, mm-hmm. guess how big his first shop was. I'm just going to tell you. 33 square feet. I'm sorry? 33 square feet. That's like a closet. That's like, don't come in, we'll hand it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. That's like a kiosk. Anyway, right. it was his first little shop. That's what opened in 1970. And he started with 600 pounds. And that was it. 33 square feet. Wow. And uh, he's a major collaborator. So he's very independent because he owns all of his company. And wow. he can do lots of things because he's fully in charge of his own destiny. Like, yeah. if you think about so many designers, the Marc Jacobs, the people they sell, and Louis Vuitton owns them, or whoever else owns them, yeah, and they're answering to, answer to, to people all yeah. the time, versus really what's your art, what's your passion. And I don't want to get morbid, but I think a lot about people like Kate Spade, yeah. who made all that money selling their brand, but then right. they were left with what? Like, that's their heart. That was their passion. Yeah. And then they 
sell their brand and then they're looking and looking and looking for validation and who they are in their life. It's just a very... Yeah. And very, I think when you, you have to answer to people creatively, it kind of dims your creativity. Yeah, because you're really. like, well, well, I don't have to answer to you. I think bicycles are great. I'm going to do fluorescent green bicycle t-shirts. Right. And like, I also find his shops almost have a gallery-esque vibe they to do. them. They do, because he collaborates. He's got artists from all over the world in his spaces all the time. Yeah. Um, Which so, is smart, because it keeps people in the store. Exactly. Exactly. So the first store was called Paul Smith Vetements Pour Homme. Vetements? Vetements. Vetements. Anyway, Paul Smith Vetements Pour Homme. And that was the one in 1970 in... Um, Nottingham. That was only three square meters. So I had to look it up to see how big that was because three mm. square meters sounded really small, and mm. it, it's definitely really small. Mm. Um, and in 1976, from that little tiny place, he went to Paris and showed his first men's collection, and it was very, very well received. Wow! And by 1979, he opened up his flagship store in London on Floral Street. Now, which is so fabulous. It's like on Floral Street, right? Mm -hmm. He's so florally. He's so floral. And if you think about it, he started in 1970 with 600 pounds from his wow. savings. 76, he's like, I'm going to Paris. I'm going to show my collection. Wow. 79 flagship store. Wow. Really, really just went for it. And <clears throat> Paul Smith uh, did his first women's wear collection in 1993. Because they kept having trouble with all of these women coming in to buy the menswear. Okay, the I think I remember sizes. hearing that, yeah. So the small sizes were running out and they're, you know, more petite gentlemen couldn't get any more petite. Don't be offended if that's you. Uh, the smaller guys, I don't know how to say, you and I are like both 6'3". I don't know what we're... Petite? Yeah, petite. I don't think, oh, men don't want to be called petite. Um... The What's short the... guys, the little guys. Napoleon. Not, okay, whatever. <laughs> Say it in French. It still maybe it's a little bit better. Right. Uh, <laughs> then in 1984, they opened their first store in Tokyo. Okay. And since that, they now have 165 stores in, Tokyo, in Japan. Wow. So they're very, very big in Asia. Um, now, there is, there's four stores in, in the United States now. They had more, but they got rid of some New York stores. Oh, no. So I, I hope they didn't get rid of the... The, the one in New York is famous. I want to say it's on 17th and 5th. I think the one, they got gone? rid of one or two in New York. They only have the Wooster in New York now. Oh, wow. That means the one I'm talking about is gone. Yep. And they have the LA store. And then they opened one in downtown LA, which I'm like, why? And then there's the San Francisco store. And the one downtown, I think is within the last year. I think it's really Yeah, new. well, they're, you know, they're getting ready to open that big Google headquarters downtown LA or uh, whatever it is. So okay. they're, they're getting all ready for thinking that, that they're going to have all this influx of money and all that. Gotcha. I mean, people have been talking about downtown LA's coming for 20 years now, so I'm still so not uh, moving to downtown LA. Don't hold your breath. And then there's two outlet stores, <laughs> and the outlet stores are amazing if you ever get a chance to pop into one. Really good buys. There's one at Cabazon on the way to Palm Springs. Just saying. How are the prices? <clears throat> Fabulous. Okay. Fabulous. Okay. I mean, you have to go to the back of the outlet. Don't shop in the front of the store because okay. you're never going to get a good deal in the front of an outlet. That's all the current stuff. No. Uh, 2010, they launched Paul Smith Jr., which is the kids' collection. And if you've never so seen cute. it, it's so cute. So and a lot of times cute. it's just the adult clothes made that small. Yeah. But the best thing that they do are all of these amazing t shirts with like happy animal prints and mm -hmm. all those things. And I don't mean animal print like the cheetah print, I mean a print Actual of uh, animals. Actual animals, yeah, like, like a cartoon giraffe, giraffe right. and a zebra, right. and, and all of that kind of thing. 
whimsical things for the babies. Exactly. He mm -hmm. published his first book in 2001. Children's book? No, adult book. Okay. I mean, not adult book. <laughs> bow, just bow, bow. This story just took a turn. <laughs> Red Light Special. Red Light Special. Oh, my God. And the name of the book is You Can Find Inspiration in Everything. Right? Boy. And that was in 2001. Mm-hmm. In 2000, um, th and I'm just going to read you some of the stuff okay. that he has done, which I just find to be fascinating. Yes. <clears throat> In 2013, he mm -hmm. designed and made school ties for the Beeston Fields Primary School in Nottingham. Okay. So, like a little school in his hometown. That's chic. Right? Then in 2016, his second book, Paul Smith's Cycling Scrapbook, was released, which documents the personal history of the sport. Now, I actually went online and mm -hmm. I bought a cycling bib, which is the one-piece spandexy outfit for cycling from Paul Smith. Uh -huh. It is the most comfortable one I own. Really? It's recycling. It's and where does so one amazing. wear this? On a bike. Just, privately. I oh. mean, I'm not like... <laughs> I love you like privately. I mean privately. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a cold, sad Friday night. No. Like, when I'm going out, I, you know, I have a bike. I ride. I'm a cyclist. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a cyclist, cyclist, but I do get out on a bike. I'll alert the Olympics. Please alert. Yeah, no need. No need. Not even the gay Olympics are taking this one. In 2016, January... This is also, I thought you'd find it to be very fascinating. He was one of the first people to combine uh -huh. his men's and women's fashion shows in Paris. I remember that. So he showed men's and women's together, which is now so popular. Right. And um, in 2019, he made a cameo appearance in the film Men in Black International. Hmm. And he designed all the suits for that film. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. And then his company remains independent. The majority of it owned by him. And this is the key to all of those collaborations and all of those things he's able to do. Now, here comes the collaborations. I'm going to read these to you. And I, some of them I just don't even know. Okay. But I'm just going to read this. 2002, he mm -hmm. worked with a furniture designer called Cap Capellini, which I've actually heard of them, right. to create a small homeware collection. Uh-huh. Then in 2003, he worked with Maharam, the U.S. textile brand, mm -hmm. and they've been doing collaborations ever since then. In 2005, he teamed up with the motorbike manufacturer Triumph, staying... re restyling the Bonville T100 bike. He really staying true to the, his obsession with the bike. Well, and that's a motorcycle. Triumphs are motorcycles. Well, yeah. But to really, to be able to just go and collaborate and create something just yeah. for, and it's also smart marketing because it gets you in front of different people. Exactly. Because people that can afford a Triumph can afford a Paul Smith suit. Exactly. Um, then he um, he did a, co a collaboration with Mercian Cycles and designed a series of bicycles. Okay. So this is a bicycle shop. Then he designed the chairs in Screen 4 at Broadway Cinema in Nottingham. So back to his hometown, he just designed uh, all the chairs for the theater, which I thought uh, was cinema number four. Um, then he, uh, in 2009, became the third designer following Jean-Paul Gaultier to redesign a bottle for Evian. Mm -hmm. He provided the suits for the Manchester United team, which is a big... Uh, Soccer team. Okay. I mean, we call it soccer, but it's a football team, right? Right. Um, then he did Burton Snowboards, which is an American brand, including adding his signature stripe to boards and apparel. He then, um, I mean, he just went on and he did a, he's done a, designed a camera. He's designed stamps. He did a whole set of stamps to mark the launch of the London Olympics. 
Wow. He um, joined with bootmaker John Lobb, who yes. I know you love. Uh, I know John Lobb. Yeah. To create a series of Oxford, Oxford Derby and Loafers. He was the official designer of the t-shirt for the David Bowie album, The Next Day. Mm-hmm. He, um, I mean, isn't this crazy how much it, he designed a lamp with Angla Poise. Mm-hmm. He designed a series of t-shirts in collaboration with the release of David Bowie's, David Bowie's final album. Wow. Right? So he's just really connected to all this. And then he collaborated with the wine merchant, Barry Bros and Rudd, on a limited edition range of bottles in 2016. So he's wow, designed he wine busy. bottles. And also in 2016, he collaborated with Land Rover to, to design yeah. a bespoke Defender. Defender. Oh my gosh. You're not a Range Rover person. I'm not a Range Rover. I, you know, you know me, I'm a Range Rover person. I know, yeah. And the Defender's like the big boxy truck looking one, like the old Safari. Kind of looks one. like the G Wagon ish. Yeah, kind of. Okay. But it's really like the Safari kind I got of. got you. Really. And so he tricked one of those out. Oh, I want to see that. Right? I want to see that too. Then he um, designed helmets as well. And he also did, I mean, it's just, it goes on and on and on as I was going through this. And then he designed a suitcase in 2018, and he designed New Balance sneakers in, 20, in 2018. And then today, when I was in, or yesterday, I was in Paul Smith uh-huh. in, on, in LA, downtown on Melrose, mm-hmm. and... Cutler and Gross now has. Oh my God! All I haven't the, heard that. I haven't heard that brand name in a minute. Yep. In tribute to his close friend Tony Gross, the company collaborated with Cutler and Gross on a limited collection of eyewear for his spring summer 2019 show in Paris. Wow. So now the sunglasses left Oliver Peoples because Oliver Peoples used to do Paul Smith. All and right. now it's Cutler and Gross. And I tried on, I want to tell you, five pairs of sunglasses today and yesterday loved them? that I would have bought. Nice. And I had to walk away. I'm like, Cutler and Gross, historically, I, I have to say, is the best frame. They cut great the, for me. I don't know. And I have to say, I love that he keeps his brotherhood and his allegiance to his British... Well, he's just, you can just tell he's having fun. Yeah. He's a happy guy. Yeah. I've met him a couple times. Yeah. And every time he's just like super happy uh-huh. and glad to meet you and shaking your hand and right out there because he has an appreciation for who it is that's supporting him and where he got. And there's just, like when he walks into a store, all that's important are the customers. Yeah. Right? But like if another somebody, like let's say he had sold his company to Louis Vuitton, mm-hmm. if he walks into a store, he's going have to be have to be worried more about what Louis Vuitton thinks about what the store is doing exactly. than what the customer in the store thinks. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's very important too. Um, to and notice. For him for him to have maintained this company for this long is huge. Yeah. And he covered a 1965 Porsche 911 with mm. the multicolored stripes. Oh, that sounds sexy. And he did that in 2018. And then that went on to compete at Le Mans Classic and Goodwood Festival of Speed. So he actually used the Paul Smith stripes on a vintage Porsche. Oh, uh, that's sexy. Right? Okay. So yes. now the numbers were a little tough because he's private, right? So it's a private company. So okay. I can't get all the same numbers I could get with everything else. But here's what I know as of June 2019. Tell me. So 2020 is kind of a wash anyway, so I feel pretty good with this. So 951 employees worldwide, Mm -hmm. 
Now, they referred to turnover, and I, as, as I looked at the numbers, turnover is gross sales. I think it's the British term for sales. Okay. Which would which would make sense. Okay. Um, it was 177 million pounds or 243 million dollars in a year, mm. with a gross profit of um, 125 million dollars uh, mm-hmm. in the year. So it's a pretty high. I mean, it's a half. It's a gross profit, right? But wow. so it's not like the final profit, but it's good. Right. Um, now, interesting enough. Mm-hmm. That number of $243 million for their gross sales, it's just a few million less than the business that they had eight years ago. So there has not been a lot of growth. So if you look at that, that's flag on the field, right? Mm -hmm. That's like not good. Mm -hmm. But it's up lots from 2016 when it had dropped down to $216 million. So something happened in the company and it just dropped off in their sales. Mm -hmm. And then 2016 came along. Uh And since 2016, they've been really like up 10 million a year. So they're increasing from there. I'd be curious to I'd be curious to know how that ha- like what happened. What happened? Where it right? plateaued and then skyrocketed. I mean, it could be they maybe they sold off some stores, maybe they closed stores. I know they have oh, closed okay. stores this year. Right. I mean, maybe it changes that way. Maybe okay. it's wholesale orders change. All of the above. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, and so I was happy to see that they're growing strongly right now. Um, they have fifteen. They had fifteen thousand four hundred thirty-seven visitors on average a month to their website, paulsmith.com, okay. and mostly from the UK and the US. Okay. Now the next thing I want to read you was really like the most amazing thing okay. that I, I. So they're they're fifty years old as of last year. Okay. And I was so excited to find. That as what they decided to do for their 50th anniversary was to create a website. And they created a foundation. And the foundation is called the Paul Smith Foundation. Nice. So this is aside from the normal, the regular website. Yep. Okay. It says Paul Smith. <clears throat> it's Paul Smith's foundation.com. So there's an S as in Sam after the Smith. Okay. And I just want to just read some of this to you Mm because it's like so great. So Mm -hmm. you open it up. It's very cool, by the way, this site. You have got to look at it. And it says, this is the best advice gathered and given by Sir Paul Smith over the past 50 years. It won't teach you how to cut a suit, but it will help you figure out how to take your ambition to the next level. Oh, we like inspiration. Please explore our regularly updated archive of the so, whether you've got a degree or not, your education really gets going when you try lots of different things and see where they take you. Amen to that. By viewing everything as a learning opportunity, you will only get better at what you do. Tis true. Right? So, let me just read you some of the stuff that's on here. I'm just gonna re- I, mean, I, I, I could go on and on for hours with this, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to read you some of the ones that pop up on the side. Okay. Effort is free of charge. Make a bit more effort. Make your shop window look special. Make your presentation pack look special. Make your character more special. Nice. Right? You need to give things time, and then you build a good foundation. Nice. People don't look up enough. It could be an influence just observing something done in bad taste, but with something beautiful. Yeah, that's true. Right? 
Uh, this is great. So when David Bowie came to my room, which is full of stuff, he just couldn't stop asking questions. This is Paul Smith talking. Mm-hmm. Where's that from? What's that book about? He had this lovely, curious mind, and that's why his songs and his persona and chameleon way existed. Yeah. Was because he was always ready for the next thing and turning it into something different. And there are pages... And pages of things. And these are just the topics Mm -hmm. that you can pick from. And there's just quotes and words of advice on all of these topics. And then I'm going to stop, I promise. (laughs) Defining your point of view. Mm -hmm. Making an impression. Decision making. Mm -hmm. Learning by doing. Finding inspiration everywhere. Building a creative environment. Starting strong and growing gently. Staying positive and making it. Wow, you know what you said, growing gently, and that's isn't that gorgeous? I think that speaks to his longevity. Yeah, but it's just gorgeous the whole thing. So it's Paul Smith's foundation. He is my hero right now. I just I was so inspired. By yeah, what he's he an was ins- doing. he's definitely inspirational to go man. and take a brand, love it, feel it, and just keep creating something that you're you're proud of and is you. I think is so inspiring. I just wish there were more young designers that could have sat down and had coffee with him. Absolutely, like. I think right away a Perenza schooler, those boys. Right. Had they just had a chance to sit down with him and slowly grow their brand into something that mm-hmm. had longevity and had something. I just mm-hmm. I, I just feel like he is such a gift. So oh absolutely. Very, very happy. That is Sir Paul Smith. Love it. Love it. And the crowd goes wild. The dandy. <laughs> the dandy. <laughs> okay, so one last thing. One more thing. One last thing before one we wrap last this up thing. Is can we please talk about this ridiculous, unpredictable weather? I mean, we can't go from this whole it's, thing to talk about the weather. It's schizophrenic. Now, I don't know what is happening day to day. It was freezing cold today. My fitting I had to do outside mm-hmm. because it was like that, and it was about to pour down rain. And I couldn't figure out is it gonna rain? Is right. it gonna like what is happening? And it made me think. Of short sleeve cashmere sweaters. Okay. And I just want you to know I hate them. I think they are the dumbest thing ever made because it is never cold enough to wear a thick mohair and cashmere sweater with its short sleeve. Well, I don't think that idea comes from warmth and 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 Well, it's a cashmere sweater. But I think it's more of a design twist because you expect knits to be long sleeve like sweaters so it's kind of a twist when it's made into no no a baby t-shirt no no No. they are so like it is it is what is like a um an underwater submarine with you know windows that roll down like there's just (laughs) no function it is wait so what did you think of like you know you know in the 90s when like we talked about it before isaac mizrahi would do like these Cropped little cashmere. He was doing, yeah, he was doing cr- cropped, cap sleeved, right, cashmere sweaters with what? big tool skirts. Right. right. What'd you think of that? I thought the models looked cold. They looked cold on the runway. <laughs> it made no sense to me. I just don't like. I think that there's some. There's so many other fabrics that they could use other than cashmere to make that one thing. And I think that that's like lazy design. Unless or maybe that's. That, 
And maybe that's just the portion of your body that you want to be warm and you want everything else to be free. So as long as a woman's like bust and shoulders is warm, she's going to be fine? She's good. I don't, unless it's part of a sweater set, there's like some long sweater that I just missed out on the whole time. I'm a no on that. No, yeah, I don't think it's a twin set I'm a hard no. Now, there's three things that you have to remember. What are those three things? Love. No. What? Three things. What are the three things? Listen, like, and share. No. <laughs> follow, like, and, and share. share. Please follow us on Insta. Please keep listening. We Thank so, you for your support. We so appreciate your support. And we so appreciate that there's a place that wants yeah. to listen to us ramble on. There is a place for us. <laughs> there's Either. a place for us. Okay, we better okay, stop. We it's going to get really that, bad. No. All right, we're not paying for that either. <laughs> have a fabulous, fabulous, fashionable life, and we will see you next time on What, what You're Wearing. wearing.